All right, everybody, welcome in to what is the final episode of season two of the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. We are not taking a break. There has been so much going on right now. Me and Isaac, we're talking about it. Uh, we're just considering this the end of season two. It's the last we'll talk about uh, the 2020 season. We talk about the Super Bowl and uh, next week we'll be back at you with season three at some point in this off season we'll probably take a little bit of time off but you know we're uh, both doing this from our houses facetiming it's like it's not like such a huge you know it's conversations that we're having probably via text and stuff anyway so we we don't see a reason to take that break so Here's the last episode of season two. Uh, we're hoping season three is enormous for us. We're getting ready to uh, switch our platform over to Blue Wire Hustle. We just hope that we can get more people involved because we just want to have some interaction. And for the most part, people don't interact with us because there's like three of them. So anyway, um, I'm your host, Jacob, over at Rochism13 on Twitter, joined as always by my co-host, Isaac, at Isaac10G. So Isaac, what we got on today's show? That's going to be a good day, you know, and we've had the luxury of being able to chat about it a little bit, but we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl recap, our reaction to the Super Bowl, and a, a quick kind of brain teaser, do we have another dynasty in Tampa Bay? Because, it, you know, the cards could look like it, maybe they don't. Of course, we're going to go through our mock drafts. The J.J. Watt announcement this week is probably one of the biggest headlines of the week that we're going to be covering. Um, and you and I had a good conversation earlier in the week of the Defensive Player of the Year and, and J.J. Watt's comments about T.J. Watt, um, not disrespecting Aaron Donald, but try, trying to voice some concerns that he had. Um, and then Orlando Brown, the trade requests uh, from the Ravens. That's going to be a big move. Uh, one of my favorite and probably kind of more fun talking points is the, the Antoine Winfield being fine for the peace sign. Was it worth it? Was it not? Was it a jab? Uh, some cool things to talk about. We're going to end the show uh, with the president from the Houston Texans resigning and the implications that may have and, and what that may mean going forward. It's going to be a good show. We're going we're gonna to sneak some mock drafts in there. Did, did, did we say mock drafts or did yeah. I? That's coming up right after his Tampa Bay dynasty. Okay. I, listen, like I was, I, I have zoned out because I'm like a squirrel, and so I didn't know if we – <laughs> we touched on that one. That's my favorite part of uh, of what we are doing weekly right now is the mock drafts. I post mine on Thursdays on Twitter just to like see if I can get any kind of interaction, and and I have a little bit here and there, some some back and forth, and uh, and then I I uh, of course we go over pick by pick for both of us uh, once we get in here on the weekend. So all right, um, I want to say this about the Super Bowl because I this is what I said um, after the game. If, if your team is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or your team is not the Kansas City Chiefs, that was about the boringest Super Bowl. I, now, it's right up there with with the Rams and the Patriots from a few years ago. This had more definitely more excitement. Um, but even, even when Tampa Bay was scoring, it just seemed like it would happen, and then you'd be excited, and then there would be a lull in the game again. I have no idea why that is. I think it's because I thought it would be a 40-40 game. And and uh, and listen, I've never seen someone – I tweeted this out. I have not thought that somebody could thoroughly handle Patrick Mahomes like they did, like, like Tampa. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, his offensive line got the crap kicked out of him. He had some yeah. huge drops by his receivers and his tight end that you just never see happen. But, man – I think that was an appropriate way to end the 2020 season. Um, I'm sorry, Tom Brady. I continue to tell you not to bet against Tom Brady, and then I bet against Tom Brady. 
And he just shows you how stupid I am over and over and over again. So I had fun. Not as much fun as I thought I would. I had fun. It was a good game. Uh, good for Tom Brady, man. Stick it to Bill Belichick. That's what I thought that was, and I loved it. So I would love to hear your thoughts. You know, I think this Super Bowl solidified that it's not the Patriots way. It's not the Bill Belichick way. It is the Tom Brady way. You're damn right. And that game right there solidified it. You mean, I may have the unpopular opinion. I thoroughly enjoyed the Super Bowl. I really did. I really enjoyed watching the unbeatable juggernaut Chiefs offense be slowed down to barely a crawl. And it was done with excellent defensive play and pressure from the front four from the defensive line. They didn't, the Tampa Bay didn't blitz a whole lot. They blitzed throughout the game, but they weren't like the Chiefs blitzing all the time. It was just a, it was a good game. Um, in my opinion, I like defensive games. I really do. Um, and then when I, I texted you, I messaged you when I knew it was over. It was two consecutive drives where no team has scored, and I texted you at kickoff, and I told you right here, this is it. Yeah. And uh, like four or five plays later, they go down the field, and they score, and that was it. They didn't look back after that. It was a great game. Uh, props to both teams for getting there. Props to Tom Brady for making a seven and continuing to solidify uh, that he is, in fact, the greatest of all time. We touched on the conversation last week um, that with the Patrick Mahomes playing Tom Brady, the implications later in the career of having that discussion, if it ever ever gets that point. It's not even close to that point now, but if it was the end of Mahomes' career, who's the greatest, this was an important game, Tom Brady got it out. But I think, like I said at the very beginning of this kind of rant, it's the Tom Brady way. It's not the Patriots' way. It's not Bill Belichick's way. And I think that right there is probably the most exciting point to it because the guy goes to a new city, a new team, under probably the most difficult offseason as far as learning new things and working through limitations. He does that. They put a team together. They win a Super Bowl. And look at the cast that he has around him. I mean, Antonio Brown was in a world of drama and controversy just last year. He had Leonard Fournette, which is a really big bust in the NFL, it seems. He got cut. He got cut before his rookie yeah. contract was up. You have Rock, who had retired and hung it up. And all of those guys, they all scored. They were all a pivotal part to that that team um, and that win. So it really it just goes to the it goes to Tom Brady. Props to you for being able to to bring the team together and get a win. Congratulations. And, you know, I'll touch a little bit more on the defensive things, kind of some things you touched on. You talked about it. Um, I think I read somewhere that, like, it, it was like 70 or 80 percent that they brought just the four, Tampa Bay's defense. And, and I've heard this over and over again, and I just want to echo it because I've heard it all week. It, when you can get pressure on the quarterback with just your front four, and that means you have eight guys in coverage. The max amount of receivers and route runners that can be done for the offense is five. Yeah. It becomes a number game, a numbers game. You can double three people. 
Think about that. Yeah. You got three extra people. And I and that might mean a linebacker is doubling. But the fact of the matter is, how are you going to force balls in when your three best targets yeah. are blanketed and you're running for your life? And, and the thing is, Patrick Mahomes still almost did it several, I, several no, times. And, and I was going to circle back because I felt like I didn't give him credit where credit was due. Right. And me too, me too. The years, they, they shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey with double coverage. Um, and Travis Kelsey still got some yards, but you can't take a player like that and completely get them zero yards for a game. They're just too good. But they did what they needed to do with what you said, being able to pressure with four guys. I mean, when you're able to do that, opens up a lot of things. But to Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes played his heart out. And he made some throws under duress that nobody should be able to make. And honestly, I mean, he laying out Superman, parallel to the ground, throws the ball, and it hits the guy in the hands. Like, that's unheard of. Like That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I was like, what in the world? Some huge drops, um, some penalties. Things didn't go their way. The penalties, look, people were like, oh, the, the penalties through the game. No. Guys, no. Yes, there were some. There were a couple of calls that maybe shouldn't have been called, but that is not going to change the outcome of that game. Tampa Bay was the better team. I mean, and there's nothing, nothing anybody can say that will probably change my mind on that. Tampa Bay was the better team, came with a better game plan, and executed better. But Patrick Mahomes is a stud. There's no taking that against him. Um, he tried. He tried. I mean, what 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 was the statistic? He scrambled behind the line of scrimmage like four hundred and eighty something. Four hundred. If you look at how much he ran before the ball left his hand, yeah, he ran four hundred and ninety six yards. Yeah. Crazy. Are you kidding me? Crazy. Before throwing the ball, or did you know? I read this, and I and I might be completely wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody knows, but. Do you know how much Tyree Kill uh, faced single coverage? He didn't. All game, he did not get one. Yep. All game. And he was not a factor. And that's how you you beat a team like that. If you know that you can get pressure with your front four and you can bring safety help. It is so much easier to play defense. Yeah, it is. And that's why I like defensive games so much because if you can – get one thing right on pressuring the quarterback before it's just it's crazy yeah so, and that's why so we keep right. drafting all these uh me and you keep drafting all these pass rushers so we yeah. can do that so a question yeah we have a making of a dynasty or a other super bowl run whether they win or not or a deep playoff run with the tampa bay buccaneers so things get interesting for Tampa Bay because if you look at the long, long list of notable free agents that they will have coming out of this season, uh, we've talked about this. We don't know what the cap's going to look like. Uh, we don't know all of these things. But smart teams and smart people, they make smart decisions. So I believe that offensively, a lot of their what I think their where their biggest holes will be. Let's say they all leave the the big free agents. There's like ten to fifteen of them. I think. Let's say they all leave. I think the biggest holes will be on the defensive side of the ball for them. I think because Chris Godwin's a free agent. I think they find a way to pay him. But 
they can fight. Tom Brady will elevate guys. You can bring in a guy. He won't be as talented, but you can bring in a guy that Tom Brady finds a way to make as relevant as. Listen, this is what I say. Yes. Yes. As long as Tom Brady is there, I don't care. As long as Tom Brady is there, they are a Super Bowl contender, period. And, I mean, that is definitely point number one. I'm not even going to repeat it. I'm just going to say what you said. And point number two is I've seen some reports where there are guys on that organization that are going into free agency that are willing to be paid less money to stay and keep the thing going. And that is circles back to point one of the Tom Brady effect. Yep. But it's yep. it's so hard to fight that. It's so hard to beat that. So to answer without going into a spiel, yes. Yep. I think there is a dynasty in the process of being established, not yet made, but established in Tampa Bay. And teams better watch out for next year. I, I don't even think there needs to be a conversation on here. It's it's like you said, there is no there's nothing to, I you know, Tom Brady, yes, that's all I care. Um I mean they might find a way to be even better. Because as terrifying as that sounds. Yep. I mean, if you look at the pattern next year, statistically, they're always every other year. Yeah. Winning Super Bowl. It's always every other year. And it's dude, it's so hard to go back-to-back champions. If there's anybody that could do it, it's Tom Brady. He's but done it's it. still hard. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's why I'm not going to sit here and say, will they win the Super Bowl? I'm not saying that. But, you, um, you know, the question is, are they contenders? God, yeah, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. <sighs> well, let's go into our drafts and our mock drafts for the week and, and see where we all, all landed. Uh, I, I checked yours out earlier. Um, I, I enjoyed it very much. I, I also watched. Uh, I also I went through your mock, and I, I also looked at where the Browns fell, uh, in your, which I know you weren't picking. It was obviously stimu- simulated, right. and and I loved they 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 went kind of the same direction that I went, but they uh, they took the pass rusher out of Miami. I believe his name is Jalen Phillips. And and I and I'll just comment on this, and then I went first last week, so we'll have you do your mock draft first this week. Um, I love Jalen Phillips. Don't misunderstand me when we say this, but he had to retire from UCLA because of concussions. Because of that, I just don't feel safe taking him. And and so that's why I take who I and, and we'll get to it when we get to my mock draft. But that's why I've taken other pass rushers in the even in the first round at 26 when he's available because I'm just worried about the longevity of his career. So I loved your draft and it, things just fell. And listen, things can just fall perfectly for you. And they fell perfectly in the and I think in your first three picks, they really fell perfectly. So uh, let's get to it. Lay it on me. Yeah, it, it, this was a fun week, um, and this this draft that you got, that I'm going with was my very first draft. I did sequence drafts after that to see if it was consistent. For the most part, part it was. But the Giants' 11th pick of the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft, I selected Devontae Smith out of Alabama. And with that... The Giants, a big hole for the Giants is wide receiver, right? We all know it. It all needs to be addressed, whether it's free agency, whether it's draft. But me seeing Devontae Smith available at number 11 
it was a no-brainer. You sprint that it, card up to the podium, sprinting. Yeah, I sprinted it. And look, guys, Jalen Wadle was was available as well, and it, I didn't even question it. There is the athleticism, the size, length, um, height of the, the receiver. He's not a real big guy, but he's real tall. You just can't beat it. I'm telling you, this guy is going to be really good in the NFL. Couldn't pass it up. Couldn't do it. So we go to our uh, to our second pick. I picked up Wyatt Davis, Ohio State interior offensive lineman. Um, look, he's a big run heavy type of offensive lineman, right? And with Joe Judge as offense, with Saquon Barkley coming back, we need help on the offensive line still. There's talking a lot about this guy where he could be a starting right guard. He could be implemented into the offensive line sooner rather than later. I think that's a need for the Giants. I think you put him in, he could really help solidify things, um, help Daniel Jones out, help Saquon Barkley out. I liked the pick. There are a couple of different interior offensive linemen that were available. Um, with his type of uh, um, experience and with Ohio State sometimes being a um, pass option, run option heavy type of offense, uh, I thought that scheme helped in this aspect of things. Let's see here. Third pick is Cameron McGrone. Hopefully I said that last name right. Uh, I'm going to butcher some. Don't worry. I'm going to butcher him way harder than you. <laughs> I guess it's coming, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. He's, a red, he, he's a linebacker out of Michigan. Um, I like him quite a bit. He's smart. He has a high football IQ. A lot of guys are saying that he could be a starting middle linebacker on the NFL professional level. And what's more important, I think, is is I think he has the capability of being a starting uh, linebacker, but he's a three-down guy as well. Um, he's really good with heavy schemes. Um, that will help. That could supplement Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez is great on the run-stopping but he really developed his um, coverage abilities last year as well. Oh, I just lost my pick. Hold on. I should have wrote all this down rather than playing on my phone. And then lastly, I only did four rounds, guys. But the Giants need some help on edge. Um, and going with a fourth round, you may not get a guy that is first-round quality where you can put him in and be a Miles Garrett. But... I went with Janarius Robinson out of Florida State. Um, he had a good college career. He is ideal in a 4-3 um, or 5 technique base end. Um, the Giants run a lot of 4-3. Like, they run a lot of hybrid at times. He could be a guy that, that you pick up, you get some depth on your, your edge, and you help this guy develop. Maybe he comes in and he can and play a tribute to Leonard Williams if they re-sign him and develop into a guy that we need. But look, at this type of pick, you're looking, in my opinion, you're looking to fill some depth gaps, and you're looking to get a guy late in the round that you can help develop into something special. That was kind of why I went with uh, Denarius Robinson from Forest State. Well, so we talked about this a little bit, uh, uh, you know, pre, pre-recording and things like that. Um, I can find my mouse. Um, you know, you, you look at these guys, especially when you're getting into the third and fourth round and you're moving on through day three, you, you're just looking for these guys that you can take chances on. And, and, and you kind of address that saying, hey, you know, 
these are guys that I've been told, you know, that we believe he's got the body. You know, he's got an NFL body. He's got the ability. We've seen him perform. My thing is, I don't like to take guys that don't perform in college. I just don't. Uh, at least, at least in the first two, three rounds. And, and, and I mean, that's where you're looking at it. You know, you're looking at these guys that have the versatility. We're going to get into versatility in my draft. I took uh, several, several people, especially once we moved on into the third and fourth rounds. Uh, I also just did four rounds, but uh, in the Browns' first four rounds, they have six picks. So you know, they've got got a couple threes and a couple fours. But next week, we might be uh, experimenting with some other draft board uh sites that do allow trades without having to purchase uh memberships and so we're gonna maybe mess around with that a little bit so that's a prerequisite to say hey uh we don't have the ability to make trades right now but we're we're, we're looking at them to make it because i think the browns will make a couple they have too many extra picks i think they're looking to also get extra picks in the 2021 draft where they're it, or the 2022 draft where you're looking at probably having the combine back you're looking at having team visits back and like that where you know you're, you're struggling with those things but i really like your draft i think that you know you did a good mixture of talent with needs and and, and i mean that's what you're doing the draft with and, and you know we're talking about this without knowing the holes that get plugged by free agency you know you know just to touch lastly on my graphics that was a this draft i tried to base it off of needs mm-hmm. right wide receiver need number one Tied in, probably tied for need number one as well. We could really use both. Um, I could not pick Devontae Smith. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, I couldn't justify picking tight ends left because then I felt like I was reaching and not going for the best possible pick of other areas of need for the team. And so it leaves tight end off the board which is a big thing. I was talking to you earlier where, you know, it would have been really cool if I could play some scenarios and trade up in the draft, try to get two high overall number one picks, pick up Kyle Pitts, pick up Devontae Smith, or even Jalen Whittle or Jamar Chase. That would be incredible. That would just be a stupid draft, man. (laughs) That would be insane. Dave Gettleman, if you could pull that off. All is forgiven. Always forget. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into my six pick four round mock here real quick. And I'll, I'll preface it off the top of the thing with the, what I said about, um, about it on Twitter. Uh, round pick 26, pick 58. Same thing I had last week because it fell the way it fell. There wasn't anybody at either pick that fell uh, far enough down that it would make me change my mind compared to the way it fell last week. So uh, we're going to get into this, but maybe this changes. Um, I've got some insider scoop, you know, maybe a little information that that might change the position that they're looking at in the first round. Maybe he's got a brother in the division. I don't know. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um <laughs> but uh, I went with Aziz Ojolari again, uh, the, the outside linebacking out, uh, edge rusher out of Georgia. I think he's his athleticism uh, next to me. Listen, anybody who co- – we talked about this uh, in relation to J.J. and Leonard Williams earlier this week. Anybody who comes to Cleveland that rushes the passer is not there to be the guy. And because of that, everybody's going to have more freedom and more ability to just play. Just play. Miles is there, man. Miles is the guy. And they're going to have a hard time trying to double you because if they double you, 95's on the other side and he's he's potentially knocking their quarterback out of the game. I mean, he's making it, you know, 
a big impact. But I think that's edge rusher because, once again, I think they're going to address the defensive backfield, at least the starting level, at least one starter, uh, because you're getting Grant Delpit back at safety. You're probably – I'm seeing a lot of talk about Marshawn Lattimore coming over from the Saints, and and, and I would love that. I think it would be great. Um, Once again, Elijah Moore. I love the idea of Elijah Moore, the wide receiver out of Ole Miss, at pick 58 in the second round. That dude will straight take the top off of the defense. Could you imagine if you had to respect Elijah Moore's speed so you couldn't over-the-top protect OBJ, so you couldn't press OBJ, so that you couldn't press Austin Hooper and David Njoku and Harrison Bryant? You can't – you have to play deep. In that Chiefs playoff game, there was not a dang defender for the Chiefs that were afraid of anybody in brown and orange beating them over the top. They just weren't. Bring speed, open that offense, it'll go to a whole new level, and all you have to do is use one player. A speedy wide receiver takes that to the whole new level. I know everybody wants us to go defense. Well, guess what? I'm about to go defense with the next four picks. But you make this perfect offensive pick, you make that all happen. Pick 89. I've been going with Andre Sisko, who I've been calling Andrew Sisko, and I just learned that I've been – being a jerk to for quite some time. And I apologize. I've been going with him as safe uh, safety. He was not available this week. I uh, would have probably picked him at 89 and we would have just kept this train running. Um, I did go with him. Uh, not going to say your first name. Nasser Dean. He's a uh, safety out of Florida state. Uh, he's got all the measurables. Uh, he's got the size, the speed, the athleticism to play deep in the safety zone. Um, you know, we're looking at a situation where um, Joe Woods wants to play two or three deep safeties. Uh, this is a guy that can rotate in at that third safety, especially if Carl Joseph walks in free agency. Then I went with my favorite pick, two picks later at 91. I went with Israel uh, Muka Amu. Uh, he's the other corner out of South Carolina opposite J.C. Horn. The reason I did this in these next three picks was versatility, versatility, versatility. Listen, at South Carolina, he played in the slot. He played deep safety. He played wide. He played all the positions a defensive back played. And as we saw this year in Cleveland, you can never have too many people cover because you're losing. If you lose your slot corner, it's like that's a different position. If you lose your outside corner, you lose your safety. You're going to lose guys and having one guy like we saw what Chris Hubbard was like until he blew his knee playing right tackle, playing left tackle, playing right guard, like knowing you have a good player that any injury can he can cover. That's enormous. And I think that that pick would be huge for them. Now, I'm going back to edge rusher in the fourth round. I'm going to take Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is his quickness. He wins with quickness. He is very sudden off the snap, and he uses that to get by people. Listen, he's a rotational piece. You're in the fourth round. You're on. You're on day three. You're on, exactly. You're on depth. You're you're trying to to rest JJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Um, so you you you're, you're looking at stuff like that, and and um, the quickness off the snap. You need to have one thing to win. And then you need to develop other things. So Ronnie Perkins needs some some development, but you're rotating this guy in for Adrian Claiborne, uh, you know, Port Augustine. I think they bring somebody else in. Like I said, I'm, I'm hitting at J.J. Watt subliminally to try to get him. Um, so I think he does the job. And my final, my final pick at pick 130 was Darius Stills, an interior defensive lineman out of West Virginia. Uh, he – people say that he looks – 
he looks like he's bigger, has more weight than what he is listed at. Uh, but he plays both inside and out on the line. He's very, he's a big man. He carries it very well. Uh, once again, he's versatile. Depth, we need, we got crushed. We needed our depth at defensive line and defensive back was very well challenged. Once again, here's a guy that can play multiple positions and play them well. Versatility wins in this year's draft, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think you you identified some key needs in your first two picks. So you picked up a good safety if the draft falls like this. And then, as you're saying, versatility, I really do think that's one of the most important components of depth on a team. Look, you're going to have your starters, right? You have your starters that are locked down to what they're doing. But your depth after that, versatility is such an important thing because what if, like you said, what if a slot corner goes down and you need to put a guy that's regular, not used to playing the slot side of things, but is versatile enough where he's able to, to put the bandaid on that that wound and fill the gap as needed. That is important on any team in any team. And and, and Joe Judge, and I think Kevin Stefanski is the same way. They're going to be looking at those guys that they draft that they're versatile with, and they're going to look at, okay, you're versatile and everything, but what are you the best at? And then they're going to be able to use that to bring that player to a better level. I I really do think that. I like the draft. I really do. One question I have for you, though, with the Browns having, what is it, six picks in the top in the first four rounds, do they use that as trade leverage? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, this is why we're going to look at some other draft networks, um, websites, and stuff as well. I, I love, I love the draft network, but um, I want to look at some trade scenarios. I messed around with a couple of them and with a few trades. I traded from twenty six back to thirty two because the way I think free agency is going, I'm not sure Cleveland um, wants to pick at twenty six. It just depends on how the draft falls. If somebody draft falls. I think Cleveland is going to prioritize adding some picks in 2022. I just think they are. Like I said earlier, uh, you know, you've got the combine, you've got the actual team visits and things that you're not going to get this year. And, and, right. I, and I think that affects that affects these middle tier guys. That that affects these these uh, back end of round one to early round three. These guys that are borderline first round picks, but you just have like one or two questions about them. You don't get to answer those questions this offseason. It doesn't look like. So the combine, you're like, man, I'm not sure what his actual lateral quickness is. Well, we're not going to get those measurements to the level that we would get before. So yeah, I think absolutely. I think before the, I think definitely before the end of day two, Cleveland's made at least one or two moves. Yeah. It'll be an exciting draft season, for sure. All right, let's move on to some gossip. J.J. <laughs> Watt, man, who, you know, I guess it wasn't a big surprise. It was a surprise to me that they just straight up released him. That was a surprise. Yeah. That was that was a surprising thing. So, I mean, we all know he was a contract here, but J.J. Watt is on the market and look, looking single and ready to mingle, he says. Woo! Who is going to be the lucky team? A lot of teams have already reached out, with the Cleveland Browns being one of them. I've heard it's up to a dozen have already reached out. And we know that J.J. Watt wants to go to a playoff contending team, which we can arguably say the Browns are one of those teams. 
But here's the wrinkle in the in the Browns' plan. Derek Watt and TJ Watt both play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. My thought process behind this is that even though the Steelers are in cap hell, so to speak, I want to think that they are in the hole. $18 million, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, but with Mark, uh, Mark Pouncey retiring, that helps a little bit. Yeah. Not a whole lot. That 41 mil that Big Ben's got. Oof, oof. Yeah, they're going to have to do some restructuring on that one. But I still think that there's a possibility that as much as you probably hate to see it, you're going to see a, a Watt trifecta in Pittsburgh. And the reason I say that is, look, JJ's been in the year for 10 seasons now, I think. Yeah. Um, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play NFL football with all of your brothers on one team and be, be able to play with TJ Watt directly on the defensive side of the ball. It's crazy. I don't necessarily want to see him there, um, but... It's going to be interesting. It really is. The the Browns are going to make a run at him. I wouldn't hate seeing him at the Browns. I wouldn't hate seeing him at the Giants. Um, I think he's going to be expensive. With Leonard Williams right now being in negotiations, like I said, I told you earlier in the week, that this has an impact on negotiations with Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does. Do they sign Leonard Williams? Do they bring in J.J. Watt? Do they try to sign both? The Giants should be in a pretty good cap scenario. If they do need an Ed Rusher, um, this could fill that gap, but it's not going to be long-term. That's the thing with this. Is You're probably looking at two years, probably two, three years. Two years. So what do you think that T.J. What, – not T.J. What do you think J.J. Watt is worth? Who do you think he's going to end up landing with? And if there is a – surprise scenario what would you think that would be my surprise one is Chicago actually so I've seen some things about him going to Chicago I think JJ Watt is looking at teams like Cleveland like Pittsburgh and like Chicago where he gets to go and not be the guy like like TJ TJ's the guy in Pittsburgh Miles is the guy in Cleveland Uh, Khalil Mack is the guy in, in Chicago and I think they're kind of a dark horse. I mean, they've been mentioned, don't get me wrong. And of course, the Bucks have been mentioned because you could see JJ go there for Shaq Barrett. And personally, if it's me, I'm I'm trying to keep I'm trying to re-sign Shaq Barrett. And that's not a slight on JJ because I actually have looked up and did some deeper film study of JJ Watt. And I know he had only five sacks, but JJ Watt was fantastic this year. Um he was one of the one of the worst defensive lines in football. And he didn't get any help. And and we've seen some bad defensive lines that had Miles Garrett who didn't get any help um, at times, especially last season. Not not as much not as much this year because you know Ov played out of his mind and especially a second back half. And and Porter Gustin had some good games in Asia and Claiborne was a very good veteran pickup. Now listen, I think. So the Cleveland thing to me is like I've seen a lot of fans that are like, if you want JJ Watt, you're an idiot. There's a lot of people on Twitter that you can tell don't know how to what what really goes into football and don't really watch it objectively. Because my thing is like JJ Watt, do you know who is right above JJ Watt on pressures this year? Miles Garrett. And not by a lot more. 
So yeah, he he didn't have as many sacks, but he was pressuring the quarterback. I think I read somewhere that his his run grade this year was like one of the best of his entire career. Like JJ balled this the balled this year, and and I think it's huge. And so I've heard uh, through the grapevine that Cleveland is has and is going to be very aggressive in attempting to sign JJ Watt. They have already reached out to him. I heard don't expect any news today. And I think that was kind of like he got what released Friday. And I think that he talked about wanting to take a couple of days, which, which is what I would do. I think the JJ Watt gets signed this week. Um, Listen, Cleveland went aggressively at Jadavion Clowney last year and JJ Watt's a better player. So you look at that and I think JJ sits somewhere around the $10 million range. You were paying more for, um, for Vernon last year and you were willing to do that. You, you offered Clowney a one, two and three year deal worth 16 or 17 per. So if you can submit, I would give JJ Watt $12 million because I think it, it's, it, it's different for a team like the giants, unless the giants are able to sign him and Leonard Williams. I don't, I'm not giving him that kind of money to be the guy, but I'm giving him that kind of money to, to make a tandem with TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, with, with Khalil Mack, to where it's going to be I, – I tweeted it. Does J.J. Watt make the Browns better? And if you say no, you're wrong. Just, I mean, you're just flat out wrong. Just like I said, I tweeted during the Super Bowl, it, it, Tom Brady's the GOAT, and if you don't think so, you're just wrong. And, and, and J.J. Watt has given us something. He's given us free agency before free agency. Yeah. My God, dude, did we think that this year was going to be fun? It's already going to be fun. I think the J.J. Watt is washed up statement is overblown. Go back, watch his film, watch his technique, watch what he did. Watch the situations where they didn't have to block anybody else on that line. You weren't afraid of anybody who wasn't J.J. Watt on that on that defensive line. Um, it's very exciting. My God, if he comes to Cleveland, uh, be ready for an emergency pod. Let's just put it that way. That's where All right. we're at. All right. Well, what other drama pieces do we got? Well, we'll, we'll briefly talk about the defensive player of the year. And J.J. Watt, again, going out to bat to defend his brother T.J. Which I arguing, love. Yeah, I like that too. Um, arguing that while no disrespect to Aaron Donald and not taking anything away from the caliber of player that Donald is, he says, but – the statistic that they have and that they run by, he has T.J. Watt leading the league in a lot of the most measurable statistics as far as a defensive player. And I know that you brought up the, um, the guy from PFF saying, arguing that, no, that's not the case. The statistics that you have, don't know where you got them, but that's not what we have. Um, Which is a whole different conversation. PFF. Yeah, I, I don't know much about PFF, but... My point of view is this. One, why would J.J. Watt ramble off incorrect stats? He's an NFL player that has been tracking his own stats and his brother's stats his entire career. Where did he get those? Mm-hmm. Why is PFF saying they're wrong and different? What is actually graded to make these decisions for Defensive Player of the Year? What goes into it? It's an interesting thing. It really is an interesting thing um, because the stats that you pull from ESPN or NFL, things like that, they're comparable. 
to Aaron Donald, but in some of them, T.J. Watt really did lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go by those, I see the argument. Why isn't T.J. Watt in that conversation right now and not Aaron Donald? Uh, it's interesting. I'm not saying they got it wrong because you have two players that at the height of their career, they're both studs. Aaron Donald is probably as more athletically gifted and talented as an edge rusher. I'm not saying the pick was wrong, but I saw what J.J. Watt said, and I thought it was interesting. I thought it kind of made you think a little bit. Is there any relevance to it? Is it right? Is it wrong? What do you think? Can I ask you, okay, so I, I'm with you on everything you said, and and I knew T.J. Watt was up for it, and I was accepting that he could win it. You know, he's a stealer, but my point is he, he's a heck of a player, except for in the playoffs. But um, so my question becomes this. How much did getting his ass handed to him by Kendall Lamb, Kendall Lamb, over and over again in the playoff, do you think that did something there? Because for me, in the biggest moment, you disappeared. Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald was the biggest reason they beat the Seahawks. Now, that, that then begs the question, does one game completely change a season? And, and, and in terms of individual performance i say no but do you think that there were some people in the voters that went to cast their vote and the last thing they saw tj watt do was get whooped by a a, a, an average offensive lineman at best i mean i absolutely think that is possible um because people always you know it's 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 natural to think of the last thing that you saw or thought of right yeah you're right though no, it's not right. I'm just wondering, oh, do you think that's what happened? That, yes, I could definitely see it happening. If that is the case, and they went off of one game, arguably the biggest game of the season, if they went on that one game and not by sheer data and facts and stats, I think at that point in time, there's an argument to be made. But we don't know. You know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they looked at just sheer what Aaron Donald does to an offense uh, outside of statistics, which is probably Aaron Donald does more to an offense than T.J. Watt does as far as impact. Um, so like I said, I mean, I'm not going to be upset with either pick. No. If T.J. Watt, Watt was selected uh, Defensive Player of the Year, I'd be happy with it. He, he earned it. They both earned it. Yeah, absolutely. If you could have two, they would both be in it. That that would have made me feel even better. I I think, like, obviously I loved it. I trolled the Steelers fans, but, like, he deserved it. He did deserve it. Um, If I had a vote between the two, I probably would have cast it for TJ. Like, and I know that's blasphemy, but I'm not mad that you picked Aaron Donald. But come out and tell me the process. Like, tell me the pro- like you said, is it beyond statistics? Because then it probably is Aaron Donald. But when you do that, just tell me, hey, this is what, this is what, and this is why. And we don't get told that from the actual voters. And, and I think that's where we have issues. Yeah. Um, now we get to move on to Orlando Brown and the Ravens. I don't have much on this, but a little bit. You know, it. And I don't either, other than, look, if they do trade him, what is it going to take for a team to get a guy like Orlando Brown? I mean, that's a good position. 
I I don't like this from Orlando Brown um, because of the way he did it. Like he just like randomly comes out on Twitter and he's like, I'm a left tackle. And I'm like, oh, God, like I didn't know what happened. I got because I, I don't know when this had come out, but I was doing something and I opened Twitter. I hadn't been on the Internet for a couple of hours and I opened Twitter and I'm like, everybody's like, man, this dysfunction. Love to see it in Baltimore because, you know, most of my Twitter are Browns fans. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? They're like. Orlando Brown with vehemently in public came out and calls his team out and says, I'm a left tackle, which means there had to be a conversation about them telling him, listen, he played left tackle. He played left tackle after Ronnie Stanley goes down. Ronnie Stanley's a better left tackle. That's just what it is. And so that I assume Baltimore said, Hey, you're going back to the right side. And he was through what I think was a temper tantrum on the internet and said, I, I, I'm, I'm a left tackle. I'm going, you know, I'm, I want to be traded. And I'm like, you don't want to deal with those sort of things in the off season, so I love it. Right. I hate Baltimore. Screw you. That's it. I'm done. I think everybody hates Baltimore except for Baltimore fans. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know much about the situation other than there's been trade rumors for it. Maybe he goes someplace. Maybe he doesn't. We don't know. That's it. One of the things is the Antoine Winfield being fine for the peace side. I think it's poetic justice. Yeah. I think it was worth it. Look, you trolled on a guy who trolled you. In the Super Bowl, you trolled him. You trolled him on a Super Bowl when you beat him, and you get fined for it. Did Tyreek Hill get fined for trolling him? I have no idea. I was wondering that myself. I don't, I don't like remember. I should have looked that up. I don't want to say that he did or didn't, because I could be completely wrong. Well, if well, he didn't, yeah. and then Antoine Winfield did get fined, I think that's not that's right. That's a problem, yeah. Um... But, you know, maybe he did. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know. Uh, anyway, I just think it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, come great. on. It's like, great. It's great. That's it. That's like, it. Him trolling Tyreek Hill. Freaking Tom Brady drawing at Tyrone Matthew. Who knows what he said? I mean, we don't know. That, that was never released. But the competitive side of the both teams, it was fun to watch. But good for you, Winfield. Yeah, good, good for you, dude. That's it. That's all I got on it. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, so Houston, big news in Houston. Are you, re- Are you ready for this? Go for it. So I didn't, I don't know if you saw this from Florio, but I have this here for you, this little post. This was right after it happened. Um, uh, okay. Jamie Roots, who was the, 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 the president who stepped down. So this is this is a post from Mike Florio over a pro football talk. He said that that Roots wanted to resign from the Texans after the GM's search resulted in the work of the search committee on which he had served being de- ignored. So they got this search committee going and they used the team president as part of it. They completely ignored what that search committee, including their president, um, wanted – they ignored it. So he wanted to resign. He was like, you're not valuing my opinion. You're not listening to me, whatever. I want out of here. He was persuaded persuaded to wait in order to keep the perception of organizational dysfunction from becoming even more pronounced. So, so you were like, hey, this organization sucks. And, and they are going in the toilet. They are the new Cleveland Browns. Thank God. And so they're looking at this and they're like, 
you you made the search committee, including someone because you he's your team president, which means you think he's good. You think he's good at running those duties. You have given him this job and you you you're like, hey, let's get us a search committee. Let's find us a good GM. So you go out there, you start looking for the GM and they say, hey, I don't know who their who their guy was, but they're like, hey, these three guys or whatever. And you're like, mm, no, don't care. Hiring th- this dude and uh, uh, Nick Cesario, it, you know, we're going to go over, we're going to do this. And you ignore the team president. Like, I'm not saying that he's the be all end all, but he was like, this is what you hired me to do. You ignored me. And then you said, hey, don't resign because everybody thinks we're like dysfunctional and we just don't want them, them to know it's even worse than they think it is. That's even worse than letting him resign. Like, really, the only thing that I have for this is the Houston Texans is a hot mess. Nobody wants any part of that. Nobody wants any part of it. Their own players don't even want any part of it. Free so Deshaun. It doesn't make Deshaun Watson seem too crazy. Does no, it? Not one like, single bit. Like, that is a terrible place to play. It's a dysfunction mess of a show on all levels of it. And, it's a, and like you said, we have the new Cleveland Browns in a, Houston, Texas. It's a breath of fresh air that it's not the Browns. Yeah. Yep. So... I mean, I think that's the best way we can end the show is is saying good luck to all the Houston Texan fans on the next 20 years of being sucky. Um, yes. Some big things going on. I think J.J. Watt, the Carson Wentz thing is still playing out. A bunch of teams are saying that they – you're hearing reports of a bunch of people saying that, that, that they've had talks and then other reporters saying that they haven't had talks. I know Benjamin Albright is, is very vehemently that the Denver Broncos are not in on that Carson Wentz trade. Um I think I'd rather roll with Drew Locke and not have that contract and potentially draft somebody else if you're Denver than uh, Carson Wentz. Anyway, I don't want any part of Carson Wentz. Um, so it's yeah, uh, big things going on. Um, y- you know, we're we're going to start hearing the room. We're getting closer and closer to getting to the cap. We're going to see wherever JJ Watt goes. I think it'll be a great week ahead. Uh, excited to sit back down next weekend and discuss it, and um, we'll see what's going on. So you guys stay happy, stay safe, uh, be careful. We'll see you next week.